0: Welcome to the No Meh Movies Podcast. How many times have you heard a movie is alright, it's average, it's just okay. If you ask your friends if you should see it and they say, meh, I'm Davey Barris and he's Darren Cross. And on this show, we'll break down and review these movies and decide once and for all if these meh movies are good or bad and whether or not you should watch them. Because on this show, there are no meh movies. Now, Darren, for a movie to qualify as meh, it must be between 40 and 60 on the tomato meter or 4 and 6 on IMDb. And the movie we chose this week, celebrating its 30 year anniversary, which is crazy. <laughs> you know, not to give too much information, but we're in our 30s, so mm-hmm. uh, we definitely grew up with this movie. It is 1990s. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which scores a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 6.8 on IMDb. And I cannot wait to read some of these Rotten Tomatoes (laughs) reviews. But before we get to that, spoiler warning, of course, spoiler warning for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie and any other property related to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Darren, in case it's been a while since they've seen it, in case it's been 30 years since they've seen it or they've never <laughs> seen it before, what is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles all about?
1: Uh, sure. So this takes place in New York City, I assume in the late 80s-ish, early 90s. They never exactly say, but- um.
0: Let's let's be honest. The late eighties are the early nineties. <laughs> yeah. Like it's it should be its own, its own decade. Yeah. <laughs> Until about like ninety four. Eighty five to ninety five. Yeah. <laughs> and there
1: is a lot of petty crime happening all over the place. Things being stolen randomly. Nobody knows how to stop it. But we come to find that there are these four human sized turtles that fight crime that are also ninjas. Uh, who get involved with trying to, unintentionally kind of get involved, actually, trying to stop this all from happening, and it leads them down a path um, that they discover that they're more connected to the crime and the crime lord than they thought.
0: That's a pretty good description of it, yeah. Thanks. All right. (laughs) Oh, and they happen to be actors in rubber suits created by Jim Henson, and uh, yeah, yeah, there's that whole side of it. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. (laughs) All right, Darren, the first question we ask of all our meh movies is, did the movie do what it was supposed to do? And I realized I didn't even look at what this movie is like, what genre this movie is classified in. But uh, what do you
1: say? Wikipedia says martial arts superhero comedy film. (laughs)
0: It's a lot. It's a lot to do in one movie. What do you say? Did the movie do what it was supposed to do?
1: I said yes to this. As much as I appreciate films like, uh, like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, like I, I appreciate what they did for film industry and things like that, that's not my favorite kind of martial arts. They're like they're like impossible stuff, you know, the, the floating in air for supernatural, yeah, yeah. for several moments. Do you know you know you're like a Dragon Ball Z style?
0: <laughs> okay,
1: I am much more of a fan of like actual martial arts right like so like stuff that like the average person who if they studied it and trained it could do all right i thought like the calling this a martial arts-ish movie was true i think i I liked there was a a good amount of martial arts fighting it seemed like i assume that the actors that they they hired to do that were trained to some degree in what they were doing and so um i would say yes it did do that the comedy there were definitely times it was funny however there were also definitely times it was funny not on purpose
0: yes <laughs> yes you'll have that
1: like it wasn't supposed to be funny but it was i mean it is a superhero movie right so these these they have kind of powers like i don't know if they really have powers they have skills but they are mutants in that they are human sized turtles that talk and walk on two legs and (laughs) yeah (laughs) so overall I would say that the movie did do what it was supposed to do if I was told you're about to watch a martial arts superhero comedy film I would say that for the most part it, it passed that
0: so, for my answer to this question, did the movie do what it's supposed to do, I'm going to look a little bit at the history of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's fair. Because they start as a comic book. Right. I believe the original comic book is actually pretty dark. Yeah. Created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird and uh, from Mirage Studios. And so, you have this uh, comic book, which I think started in early 80s. And then in 1987 they they strike a toy deal basically and they also strike a cartoon deal to like make this into a Saturday morning cartoon. And the Saturday morning cartoon obviously is not going to be as dark as the comic book it's geared sure. towards kids. Yeah. So it's light and fun and Michelangelo is a party dude and like you know it's a much more upbeat your kind of classic 80s Saturday morning cartoon. So when this movie comes out in 1990, it's kind of got to, like, balance all that. Like, at this point, the cartoon is a giant success. The toy line, oh, my God, the toy line is a giant success. (laughs) I mean, that's basically, the toys are kind of what launched the Ninja Turtles into, like, mainstream pop culture. Like, the toys became so popular. I I think even to this day, they're one of the highest, like, selling toy lines of all time. If
1: you were a kid during this time, there's a pretty good chance you had a toy. Oh yeah, I had. A, it came. Oh yeah, I think they probably came at one point were in Happy Meals in the whole nine yards.
0: <laughs> there's a lo- oh, there's a lot of marketing tie-ins here. <laughs> so what this movie has to do is it has to balance between they did kind of go back to the comic books and there's a lot of like gritty stuff in this movie and there's some really dark things in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, they also had a appeal to like the comedy and the sensibility and the cowabunga ness of the cartoon. Right. So I, I think the movie kind of pulls it off. Yeah. Like, for me, yeah, it, it it definitely, like, whenever I watch this, I'm always shocked again, like, how dark it kind of gets at some points. And then at the same time, I still kind of feel like the Turtles are that, like, joyful set of brothers that we knew in the cartoon. Mm-hmm. They kept it a little bit dark, but
1: it's rated pg so they, they whoever, you know, I forget, what was the name of that the board that reviews that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They uh, agreed, I guess, that it wasn't so dark that it needed to be PG-13 or something like that.
0: I think there were some things that were originally toned down. There's probably some darker things that got, sure. uh, yeah, we'll just say toned down a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I'm going to say this movie did what it was supposed to do for me. All right, Darren, let's talk a little bit about this cast and- it's going to be kind of difficult this week because uh there's basically a live action cast the people actually in the suits. there's we also have plenty of human actors you know throughout the movie mm-hmm. Then we have the voice cast that you know all the voices were done by other people, except for a few. Uh, I think Josh Pius as Raphael did the acting and the performing and the voice performing. Then we have puppeteers, too. So not only are there actors in the suits, there's puppeteers from, you know, Henson, Jim Henson's company that are working these things. So I don't know if we could fairly say who gave the best performance, unless it's one of the human actors that you really want to call out. So uh, I'm going to ask, who is your top character? Like, who, who from this movie really, like, did you care about, drew you in? And maybe, it, maybe it's because of the acting performance or maybe because it's the way it was written, the way it was performed. And uh, from the human actors, you have Judith Hogue as April O'Neil, the news reporter. You have Elias Coteus as Casey Jones. You have uh, Jay Patterson as Charles Pennington, the news boss. Michael Turney as Danny Pennington, his teenage son and uh, wannabe Foot Clan member. You've got Raymond Sarah as Chief Stearns. You got James Saito as Oroko Saki. Great name. Yeah. Great name. Sam Rockwell apparently was a head thug. Skeet Ulrich (laughs) and Scott Wolf appeared as Foot Clan members as, like, teenage actors. (laughs) Then, okay, you got the voice cast. I'm going to go through this fast. There's a lot here. Brian Tochi was the voice of Leonardo. Corey Feldman was the voice of Donatello. Josh Pius was the voice of Raphael. Robbie Rist was the voice of Michelangelo. And Kevin Clash was the voice of Splinter. Then you've got... Oh, my God. Uh, the in Institute Performers, David Foreman was Leonardo. Uh, Leif Tilden was Donatello. Josh Pius was Raphael. And they had stunt doubles. Uh, and M- McKellen's sister was Michelangelo. And then they also all played other random people, which we'll get to in trivia. But they also had all... <laughs> so, anyways, there's a lot of people to choose from. <laughs> I just wanted to give everybody credit. Yeah, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. Who is your top character for this movie?
1: If I... I had to pick one. I guess I would probably go with Raphael's character. I do feel at times that he was it was hokey at times there was this like you I like laughed at how hokey it was. but overall I thought it was pretty good. I like the idea of he like like the idea that he like cares a lot about the team and Splinter and stuff like that and he takes it very personally. When he feels like he screwed up or caused something that he like beats himself up pretty bad, and so I thought that was portrayed pretty well. So I guess if I had to pick one, I would go there. If I had to pick a human or, or an, a live-action character, I probably I think I'd go with Elias Cote, Cotez. How do we say? Co- Coteus? Coteus sure. If they were like, "All right, you need to be like tough, chauvinistic guy." I feel like he pulled that off pretty well. Like he, right? So like he like doesn't treat April like she's an equal human being. He treats her like she's like the prototypical, like you're a woman and I'm a man. Yeah, that. Of, Which I mean, right. Which maybe today doesn't kind of hold up. But if like that was his instruction for acting, which I feel like they probably were like be chauvinistic.
0: Yeah, or whatever, yeah.
1: Then I thought that he pulled it off pretty well. And then I thought that, his relationship that he started to form with the turtles he did a good job like it felt natural is he like like when he's um fixing the car with i think it's with Donatello yeah, maybe yeah, you know they're they're kind of like bantering and like it felt very natural of the sort of like brothers kind of like making fun of each other, that sort of whatever um so yeah, so if I had to pick a live action one, I'd probably go with him, and then overall, I would say Raphael.
0: Yeah, Raphael's performance probably would be my top one, too. I I mean, he gets a lot of story. Sure. Whereas the other turtles don't really get... They don't really have much of an arc individually like he does. You could argue that the story's
1: kind of about him a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Although I will shout out Michelangelo. God, Michelangelo's he's the most fun, right? He's the most (laughs) fun turtle, like... You want to see all the every time Michelangelo's on camera like whether it's buying a pizza from the Domino's guy whether it's you know in a nunchuck battle whether it's fawning over April which <laughs> you know yeah it is what it is yeah. uh yeah I I always enjoyed uh, Michelangelo yeah for sure every time he's on camera and in, I, I'm probably in the cartoon growing up he was probably my favorite too He's easy to like, for sure. (laughs) He's got an innocence to him. It's always fun to him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, Yeah, that's a very complicated segment for this, for the way we do our podcast. A lot happening. Let's move into successes and failures. Where does this movie succeed? Where does this movie fail for you? What do you got this week?
1: I'll start with a dark success. Okay. (laughs) That... I like the way that they depict how the Foot Clan get recruited, because I feel like, you know, your your cults, you know, things of that esque. This is the same way they recruit people that like they reinforce that like society has rejected them or they don't fit in with the normal everyday life, and that was kind of the message that Shredder was communicating to them. Like you you know, I think he might say it actually. Society has rejected you or something like that. Yeah. So I think that's how people fall into, like, cults or things that, like, you know, are not healthy groups to be part of. So I gave a success to that because I was like, yeah, I mean, I think that's how it really happens.
0: I mean, we'd have to transplant ourselves back to the late 80s, early 90s. But there was definitely, I mean, with metal and with rap music and just the attitude of teenagers, like, there was definitely a rebellion Kind of going on with the teenagers of America, at least. Yeah, and so yeah, this definitely plays on those themes of like society doesn't get you. You know, come join me.
1: Yeah, yeah. New York City in general was a rough. A lot of it was a pretty was rougher than it is today.
0: Yeah, even Cleveland was rougher. Like downtown (laughs) Cleveland was a rough place (laughs) in the late '80s. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you had the fallout of
1: people moving into the suburbs and no investment you know happened everywhere
0: yeah uh so all right well i'm gonna piggyback on that with a fail you know i agree with what you're saying but my question is what is the foot clan's plan you know what is shredder's plan and
1: I i was watching this with my wife and that was her question she's like so what are they going to do with all the stereo equipment?
0: <laughs> yeah, they steal a lot of electronics. They I, I mean the cash is obvious, like pickpocketing wallets, you know. Yeah. We get that, but they don't seem to be fencing it. Like they don't seem to be reselling it on the street. They just seem to be collecting it at a warehouse, <laughs> hoarding it. <laughs> yeah. And, and my only I mean my only conclusion is that they have all this stuff to lure teenagers in to then convert them into foot clan soldiers. And his plan is really just about building soldiers, not even about the economics of stealing.
1: Right. Yeah, it would be nice if maybe we got some insight into his his bigger picture plan.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And maybe even some history of this supposed crime wave from Japan that April O'Neil is talking about on the news. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I, I did have a little bit of a problem with the Foot Clan's motivations. Yeah, I mean,
1: they could have gone really dark. I mean, like, we're going to take down the government once we have enough people. I don't know. You know, like, I don't know. I will tell you.
0: We're going to take New York City. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I will tell you that the, so I'm going to, here's where I'm going to get into a little backstory here, my history lessons for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. A lot of it is actually spoofing the comic book Daredevil. Daredevil also protects New York City. His enemies are known as The Hand, an evil organization of ninjas. And instead of The Hand, it's The Foot. <laughs> uh, his sensei, his master in Daredevil is known as Stick, who is also blind. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know, Daredevil's blind. So this, there's their master is Splinter instead of Stick. So there, and there's a few more uh, parallels. But yeah, so that's... Uh, that's where like some of this comes from. This like organization of evil ninjas and stuff like that. So a lot of it, and, and I think the hands, I think the hands' goal is to kind of take over the world. I mean, it's the same like Hydra, just like any of these evil organizations, right? They're just gonna slowly subvert and work their way into everything, and yeah, yeah, take over. So yeah, I don't know. That's <laughs> that's that's where the Foot Clan comes from. Yeah, if you, if you were curious. All well, right, Derek.
1: What's your plan, Shredder? What's the plan? <laughs> That's what I'd be asking if I was in the Foot Clan. What are we doing?
0: <laughs> what is this all for? <laughs> Ooh, I could tell you something. I could tell you something dark that would have gotten this movie a PG 13 rating. So I, I left off of the cast list Toshishiro Obata, who plays Tatsu, who's Shredder's second in command. There's a scene where he fights one of the Foot Clan soldiers and like a sparring thing, mm. and he actually kills him. Oh. In the movie they added a voice going, I think he's still breathing or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To let you know that the kid was not dead. <laughs> but the kid was actually supposed to be dead the way they filmed it. Ah. And they're like that might be a little dark <laughs> for a PG rating. Yeah. So there you go. That's how dark the foot clan gets.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll do another success. I thought the I gave a success to the relationship that is established between April and the turtles. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it felt pretty natural, pretty wholesome. I, I think the connection comes from when they, they, at the same time, they kind of realize that they're like on to something as far as like this foot clan or connection between what's happening with all these robberies and things like that. And so, you know how in movies people start, when people are sort of investigating or trying to figure out the same thing, they kind of naturally bond. And I felt like you had some of that here. And then... Their relationship kind of blossoms more when they're, like, on the farm. So I thought the relationship overall between April and the turtles was a success.
0: Yeah, she kind of had that natural reaction where she's obviously freaked out at first because there's giant life-size turtles and a rat talking to her. (laughs) But I think the way that she kind of gets over that, I mean, basically they invite themselves up for pizza And next thing you know, they're all laughing, and Michelangelo is doing impressions that no kid's going to get. <laughs> yeah. that, there are a lot of jokes and impressions in this movie that must have flown right over kids' heads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, so, and she's just, and at that point, they've bonded. Yeah. You know, so uh, I guess the moral of the story is invite people over for pizza?
1: I mean, that's my mantra. <laughs> <laughs> and she also takes on a little bit of, like, a motherly role, right? So, like... You have to remember that they're meant to be, it's in the name, right? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So, how old are they? You know, like, I don't know, 15, 17. I don't know. You know, we don't, we're never really told. But she does kind of take on a motherly role that she's sort of taking care of them in a point, especially once Splinter gets kidnapped, then they really don't have like any sort of support that they normally do. So,
0: yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. All right. Uh, Well, speaking of Splinter, uh, I'm gonna give a success to Splinter. My God, he, he's got some really wise monologues and insight and advice. And I really love the scene with him and Raphael where he's talking to Raf about anger and like how to deal with anger. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot that scene. Like I knew Raphael deals with anger the whole movie, but I forgot about that scene. It's it's really good advice he gives them. Yeah. And he kind of does that throughout the whole movie, and it it made me wonder, and there's a couple of parallels here. I don't know if they were on purpose, but uh, who do you got? Who's a better master, Splinter or Yoda? Ooh. Yeah.
1: I feel like Splinter might be a little more easy to understand. (laughs) (laughs) I think think Yoda's lessons are a little bit more obscure and you really have to like try to nail them.
0: <laughs> master yoda could you quit reversing your sentences please i'm yes. really trying to understand here say that one more time yeah i splinter kind of kind of does a better job of connecting yeah. too right with his students yeah yeah
1: yeah, you kind of get the feeling Yoda's just talking over everybody's head the whole time.
0: <laughs> like, Yoda's <laughs> expecting you to keep up, and Splinter's making sure you're keeping up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I got to give a success to Splinter. However, however, talking about Raph's anger, uh, and you talked about this a little bit, I- I'm actually going to then pivot this into a fail, if you don't mind me doubling up here. <laughs> That's okay. But... Uh, raf's anger i like where it starts but it never gets resolved yeah he's angry throughout the entire movie and you know you you would think that the butt kicking he takes on the rooftop would be like maybe the final straw in that lesson or he does reconnect with leonardo and his brothers and like kind of forgives leonardo and you could tell that you can tell just like Michelangelo and Donatello have a relationship, you know, Leonardo and Raphael kind of have a bond too. And but even as the movie continues and the, we get into the third act and we get into the climax of the movie, he's still angry. He's still letting anger control him. Yeah. And it I don't feel like it ever gets resolved.
1: Get over it, Raphael. And Jeez.
0: These, yeah, these kids <laughs> these kids watching it never get the lesson that they're supposed to get, which right. is that, you know,
1: Eventually, you just have to let it go. Yeah. yeah. Good thing Frozen
0: came along. <laughs> I was going to say you got Star Wars 30 back on. 30 years later. <laughs> Star Wars kind of teaches us yeah. you know, to, yeah, yeah. to not embrace our anger. Sure. Um, anger leads to fear. Fear leads to hate. It <laughs> leads to the dark side. <laughs> I think I got that. I got most of that right there.
1: I gave a fail to not getting enough character out of Donatello and Leonardo. And I know it's probably challenging because like, like I said, the movie's kind of more about Raphael and then getting character out of Michelangelo is kind of easy because it's just sort of like making jokes left and right. And yep. So that's probably not all that challenging. So like kind of getting something out of Donatello and Leonardo, maybe, I don't know, maybe there wasn't time. I don't know. But I would have liked more because, like, I mean, they you see a little bit of them and you see you get stuff out of them, but it's based on their relationship with mostly with Raphael. So I'd like to see, like, what are they kind of about? I mean, you get that one of them is like sort of the lead, you know, Leonardo Leonardo is kind of the leader. but, um, But yeah, I don't know. I guess I would have liked to get a little bit more understanding of like what their their character really is
0: yeah Leonardo really gets paired back in this yeah and I mean Donatello almost joins Michelangelo in uh in being kind of the the fun yeah. part of the turtles yeah which I will say I love I almost made this my top performer just the relationship between Donatello and Michelangelo Like, I would go on a side quest with them any day. If if we were choosing teams and we're like, one team's got to go this way, one team's got to go this way, I'd be like, I'm going to go with Donatello and Michelangelo. (laughs) If we were taking two cars on a road trip, (laughs) I'm hopping in their car. Uh, You're right. Leonardo really – I mean, he watches over Raphael when he's injured. Yeah. He's the first one to sense splinters alive, so he gets that moment. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's really nothing else. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, so I gave it a fail.
0: And I'll, I'll piggyback on this fail because Donatello, another problem with Donatello is he doesn't invent or fix anything. He doesn't work with machines once. I mean, Casey Jones is the one that fixes the truck. Donatello's just sitting there turning the engine over. Yeah. Like, Donatello's whole character in the cartoons is... Donatello does machines. He invents things. He uses technology to solve problems. He He's actually a little bit of a pacifist because he's always coming up with ways around it, round fighting. And in this, yeah. he's just dancing with Michelangelo and uh, <laughs> cracking wise with Casey Jones. like He never invents anything. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. All right. <laughs> Whose turn is it? I, I think, I think it's your turn. <laughs> All right. I am going to go back to success. I'm going to give a success to the fight at April's apartment. Okay. And, I mean, I could say the action overall, but this is my favorite action scene. So, we f- start with Raphael on the roof, and he's, you know, he doing some pretty good martial arts. Like you said, some kind of realistic martial arts, you know, fighting off the Foot Clan until he gets overwhelmed. And then we get the whole scene where they crash through the apartment. We get the fight scene in the apartment where the turtles are, like, doing their thing, holding their own. Then there's way too many Foot Clan members, and we collapse through into the... Um, antique store. Antique store, yeah. thank you. And they start to get their butt kicked. You know, now, now they start to get routed a little bit, overwhelmed by the Foot Clan. Uh, even though Michelangelo has a great maneuver with uh, symbols. Symbols <laughs> should be a ninja weapon. Those that's, that's a pretty good weapon. Yeah. <laughs> And then it ends with, you know, the place catching on fire. Like it get and then it gets pretty dark by the end of that fight scene. So like that whole that whole sequence leading all the way through, there's really great action, there's great like storytelling. It was shot really well, so you kind of always knew where the turtles were in relationship with the Foot Clan members. It wasn't just random punches and kicks. You had comedic moments in there, you had serious moments in there. So yeah, I it's a really really well done and then, I, I, you know, I was saving it for uh, quick picks, but you have one of the best lines in the entire movie where the Foot Clan busts into the apartment, and the guy pulls out the nunchucks, and Michelangelo goes, ah, fellow chucker, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Which leads to a great nunchuck showdown. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that scene has it all. Yeah. Yeah. And it I do
1: like that it progressively gets more and more seri- serious and like yeah. kind of more dark like you said like cause it and even like if you pay attention the music changes, right? So it gets more suspenseful, especially when the fire starts. Then yeah. it's like that now things are really serious.
0: You know, like you said it's a PG rated movie, so nothing is too violent. But there's a I mean there's enough. There's yeah. enough to know that that, that fight's going to, you know, hurt for a few days. Right right
1: there's no i don't think we see any little to no blood in the whole movie
0: no i don't yeah. believe so yeah, yeah uh maybe splinter maybe splinter a little bit yeah, yeah splinter's yeah. a little roughed up yeah, that might yeah, yeah. be it yeah
1: i give a success to i like how Sh- although he he it's it's kind of a question maybe but for the most part i like that shredder isn't some kind of like super villain that he's just kind of like a skilled crazy to some degree bad guy yeah i I like that opposed to like him like when you if you're familiar with the movies when you get into the second movie he kind of gets exposed to the ooze which is the thing that made the term. and then he kind of becomes more super shredder super shredder super villainy so i kind of liked i gave a success to him sort of just being a skilled bad i mean really in the end he's a skilled bad guy in a menacing-looking costume, right? But he's still human.
0: And he's also, I mean, the martial arts form that the turtles practice, right? Like, he's kind of the most knowledgeable when it comes to that fighting style, so that's why he poses such a threat to them. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he's more experienced in it than they are. Yeah.
0: All right, right on. I I think that pretty much covers me for successes and failures. I I mean, I got to... Uh, you know what? My last success. My last success from the movie. I'm going to call it a success. The bad puns and jokes throughout the movie. <laughs> I'm here for it. I, I dug it. Uh, I loved the running joke of the cool adjectives and that Donatello always struggles to find one. You know, the radical, tubular, you know, like all that stuff. <laughs> and Donatello can never come up with one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love the uh, the turtle wax joke. Yeah. Good joke. <laughs> Son joke. Uh the shell shock puns they make that yeah. Michelangelo makes. And then uh of course Michelangelo's other great line of when he ducks his head into a shell to avoid a, a Foot Clan soldier and then screams, I love being a turtle. Right. Yeah, yeah. I I I, I was here for it. I, I enjoyed <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed most of it.
1: That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Before we move on from successes and failures, I think we should briefly discuss how how did you feel so we talked about how much went into making these turtles turtles how did you feel overall about like the puppeteering and the cuz cuz like so there were you know there they are there was people in costumes then there were also people manipulating the faces
0: right and and this all comes from Jim Henson's team it's actually I, one of the last movies he worked on before his death I gotta say, I I I kinda like it. I of all the incarnations of the ninja turtles we've seen so far, and when we get into trivia a little later, I will tell you about some of them. (laughs) It works for me. Like it's believable. Like Henson's team is amazing at what they do. And as opposed to the CGI turtles we get, you know, in the last few years. Sure. Give me these turtles in the rubber suits any day of the week over CGI turtles. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're not going to compete with a cartoon in a comic book. Like, you know, right. yeah. those looks are classic, but it, to do it in live action, yeah, I mean, it, it works. The The movement, the the suits they created allowed them to move and fight in pretty believable ways.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For the Especially for the time. Like, I mean, it's hard to, it's easier now for us to think about it because it's obviously all in hi- hindsight, but- for like the time, for what, where movie technology was that they were working with. I thought the suits, I agree, that they looked pretty good.
0: And they don't even do, like what they do today, they kind of hide things. Like it's always, you know, nighttime to hide CGI. You know, fight scenes are at night because it's easier to hide right. things. They didn't really do that in this movie. They give you a pretty good view of the turtles, you know, throughout the movie. there's They're, they're in it a lot. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I... I will tell you though, I, I don't I don't want to ruin the movie for you, but there's one scene. And once I tell you this, and once you see it, it will haunt your dreams forever, and you'll <laughs> never be able to unsee it. So I'm warning you right now, if you don't want me to spoil the look of the nineteen ninety Ninja Turtles, just skip ahead thirty seconds. <laughs> but the scene where Raph finally wakes up and Leonardo's embracing him, and April and Donatello are standing in the doorway, like kind of laughing at him. Yeah. Donatello throws his head back to laugh, and you could see through the mouth, and you could see the human mouth inside the turtle suit, and it is freaky. It is so weird, and once you see it, you will never be able to unsee it. That's funny. Let's move on from successes and failures, and let's hear what these Rotten Tomatoes critics had to say because, look, it's a uh, 40% and uh, not a great score on Rotten Tomatoes, So let's see what they had to say. So Chris Hicks from the Desert News from Salt Lake City says, The heroes in a half-shell, as they are known, have a built-in following. So movies like this are notoriously lazy. None of the budget seems to go to screenwriters with talent. It is instead spent on, er, creature comforts. Do you feel like the script and the overall story was lazy?
1: I guess I don't know what he means. Is he saying that there's a lot more story to the Turtles than we get? Is that what he means?
0: I, I don't know. He just wanted something more from it. I, I It is it is kind of an origin story. Right. It's kind of an origin story for the Foot Clan. It's an origin story for the Turtles. It's like the first time they've really come up above ground and had to fight. Mm-hmm. So I think it is hampered a little bit by any kind of superhero origin story movie would be where it's like we there's a couple of things we have to check off so we can't get too into other things yeah but no i think i think there's some pretty good lessons in here i mean like i said i like splinter's lessons yeah Uh, i yeah there was plenty of story in here for me yeah
1: yeah and i i I will fully admit that i've never read the comic books so maybe This person, that reviewer, is specifically talking about backstory that they got in the comics that they didn't see in the movie, but I'm not sure.
0: Okay, so this is from Valerie Monroe of Entertainment Weekly, and I'll tell you, this is a very, very recent review. Apparently, this review was done March 17th of 2020. (laughs) Okay, so she says, so should you take your kids to see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I'm not recommending that you do. This movie will not enrich your child's worldview. Hmm.
1: Interesting. Is that what they were trying to? <laughs> I don't know that that was the goal.
0: Would you hesitate to show this to your kids, or do you? I mean, what do you think kids get out of this movie?
1: I mean, I think if you're the right age, you should gather something from Splinter and Raphael about like how to handle your anger. Like you said, it isn't necessarily fully resolved, but there are some lessons to gather. I think if you're, you know, if the kid's too young, then, you know, they're, they're just absorbing the pure entertainment of it, not necessarily capturing the life lessons.
0: And what about the, what about all the runaway kids? Do you think there's something there for like, for younger kids to kind of learn from? Like it might seem cool to have this arcade and all this, you know, all these temptations in life and stuff like that and just play all the time, but none of those kids really seem happy with the choice they made.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe one can make an argument that they they could have dove into Danny. Danny's like our main kid we follow who joins the Foot Clan. Maybe they dove could have dove into his what he learned from from the experience because like all we get really is like he hugs his dad and his dad was all worried because he hadn't come home in a couple of days. So maybe they could have hit that up a little bit more.
0: Yeah, sorry. The Rotten Tomatoes reviews this week are weird. I mean, most of them are complaining about I mean some are complaining about the look of the turtles. Some are complaining about there's way too much uh product placement in it. Like others are complaining that it's just. I don't know. It's boring? I, I don't know. There's nothing good to sink your teeth into this week <laughs> in the rotten reviews. I don't know. I feel like a lot of these rotten, rotten reviewers are people that were just like. They didn't take the time to actually pay attention to the movie. Like, they were just like. I don't like the rubber suits. Eh, bad movie. Like, I feel like half of them didn't even see the movie. All right, let's take a look at some of the fresh reviews. Uh, Michael Sacchini from Den of Geeks says, The fights and stunts in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are genuinely exciting, made all the more remarkable by the fact that they're mostly being done by guys in 50 pounds of foam rubber. <laughs> so I will say that uh, these suits were really uncomfortable to wear for the most part they had like air conditioning units built into them and stuff like that and fans and all sorts of things and yeah they they were like drinking gallons of water a day to stay hydrated
1: (laughs) and I did I read and that makes sense because I also read that they did a lot of taping in North
0: Carolina so it might have been hot (laughs) yeah yeah I can imagine sitting out at that farm in the Carolinas uh, wearing that suit (laughs) so credit to the actors there yeah Felix Vasquez Jr. from Cinema Crazed, he really liked this movie. He says, an excellent adaptation and a raucous, brutally entertaining action fantasy that embraces the source material, lending it valid complexity and depth. Dang. Yeah. (laughs) Brutally entertaining. I don't know if I've ever heard that kind of sandwiched together before. (laughs)
1: I mean, it was was entertaining. There were times that it was entertaining for the wrong reasons, though, like, because things were kind of hokey or, like, you know, but... (laughs) 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 Brutally entertaining. All
0: right. I I think it's clear that the Rotten Tomatoes reviewers this week, if you liked it, you said it was fun. If you didn't like it, I don't know, you griped about the rubber suits or the product placement or that there were no lessons in the movie. Uh... I don't know about the Rotten Tomatoes reviewers this week. I I don't feel like a lot of them really have anything concrete to say about this movie. Unfortunately, they have let us down this week. Jerks. Yeah. All right, Darren. It's time for us to move into that segment where we have to pitch a sequel. (laughs) And... All right, it's gonna it's gonna be a little difficult because clearly there are already there are two follow ups to this movie, there are multiple iterations of cartoons and characters and there's so much. There are so many turtle things. Go ahead, take your shot at it. What are you gonna do, spinning off of the 1990s Turtles? What are you gonna do for your sequel? I'm gonna do a prequel. There we
1: go. Okay. I need to find out more about Splinter, because clearly, even pre-ooze, this is not your run-of-the-mill rat. (laughs) (laughs) This is not your 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 regular New York street rat running around. (laughs) So, we are we're told as part of part of this movie that he was the pet. uh, We find come to find out the pet of of not Shredder, but a a counterpart of Shredder, friend who becomes enemy. I don't know. Somebody who trained with Shredder. And Splinter learns all these skills from watching his master. Mind you, at this point, as far as we understand it, he's just a rat. <laughs> so I love these scenes,
0: by the way. I know,
1: right? This is like full on Jim Henson right here, where you have this like, who's the rat in in the Muppets? Oh, Rizzo, Rizzo, Rizzo yeah. <laughs> it's like Rizzo the rat. Um,
0: is that what you're pitching a crossover with the Muppets? <laughs> no. no. Okay. Okay.
1: No, I just want to go back to. So, uh, is it? Are we? Is it Japan? I don't. I don't know. Yeah, if they, Japan. Is they're they're they, from okay, Japan. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I want to go back to to get more of that story. I want to see the story of of Yoshi and Saki and their sort of relationship. And then like how I need to find out how Splinter is this miracle rat of some, of some sort, something had to happen in Japan that made him this above average rat.
0: I will tell you that his origin story in the original comics is pretty similar to the movie. He's the pet rat of Hamato Yoshi. Right. I believe in the cartoon, he's actually like the reincarnation, or Hamato Yoshi becomes Splinter. Mm. That's just a cartoon origin yeah. story. Interesting, interesting. Um, it's actually in the it's in the opening theme song. It's in the opening credits. He becomes Splinter. Like okay, yeah. Uh, so yeah, but you know, in the comic books, in this movie, the origin is that he was the pet rat, and he followed along his master's teachings. All
1: right. Yeah. All right. That's I want to see it. I want to see how this happened because, like, there's a murder that happens, right? Like,
0: Oroku Saki follows them to America and kills them. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So yeah. So I. So I think there's a. There's a lot of backstory there that we could make a movie out
0: of. All right, the Shredder or the. Uh, well, I guess it'd be the Shredder story too. Yeah. It's yeah. Like the Splinter story. Splinter story. All right. I dig it. Okay. All right. I. I am gonna go forward. All right. But my movie is not going to be for kids. (laughs) So this whole thing, like I said, this whole thing is kind of a spoof of Daredevil. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to lean into that more, and I'm going to lean into the violence, and I'm going to make kind of an R-rated Ninja Turtles movie here. And, you know, one of the things that Daredevil always struggles with, is like the vi- the levels of violence he has to go to to protect the city, right? So we're going to go there with the with the ninja turtles. And I'm going to say that in a fight with the Foot Clan and I I think it would be best it, I don't know if it if it was Raphael it would fit the character. Yeah. But if it's Michelangelo, then it gets to be a really dark movie. <laughs> so one of the turtles kills a Foot Clan member in the fight. Doesn't just knock him out, actually kills him. I'm going to go with Michelangelo. God, this is going to get dark. And so now the turtles have to deal with, like, the fact of, like, how far are they willing to go, and the Foot Clan and Shredder maybe is pushing them. Uh, I guess Shredder gets crushed in this movie, so if we're following in continuity, um, I mean, we could bring in some of the other characters. There are some weird characters in the turtles. Aliens from outer space come in, and like it's it's a whole thing. But yeah. a new ninja maybe takes up the Foot Clan, and is pushing the turtles so hard that they have to they have to deal with being violent, and you know what it means to them, and how far are they willing to go to protect the city? And maybe Michelangelo was doing it to protect April or something like that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there, but he can't. You know, it. He goes through a really dark path. Than to try to find the joy that you know makes him michelangelo so that's what i'm pitching i think they should go darker nice i like it yeah
1: yeah it seems to work making uh like uh it could still be funny you know it's like a like a deadpool situation where it's
0: I'm just okay. thinking about, man, those those that Netflix Daredevil show, like the second and third seasons, especially the third season, man, it just gets so dark. <laughs> That's kind of where I want to see the turtles go. All right. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> All right. It is time for us to move on to Quick Picks. It is time for our nitpicks of the movie. It's time for to pick out those last little things we loved. What do you got this week in Quick Picks?
1: So my first one is? early on in the movie like very early on like in the opening when they're talking about oh there's a reporter talking about all the i don't know if is it april or is it a different reporter
0: it's april it's april talking yeah, about most of the narration is april
1: talking about all the burglaries and stealing that's been going on and so there's a shot of johnny who we come to know him as the our redheaded foot clan wannabe member and he gets handed so there there's a wallet that's stolen and then it's handed off between several people. <laughs> it's, yes. it's very coordinated. But then uh he hands it behind and we see Shredder's hand grab the wallet. Like Shredder's just out on the street hanging out. That's not how it works. Shredder's at base where he belongs. He's the leader. He's not doing the grunt work.
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's it's clearly done to show that there's a greater menace. Yeah, But yeah, (laughs) I I did think it was pretty ridiculous that you needed that many people to steal a wallet. (laughs) Meanwhile, they're lifting TVs like one at a time, you know, one person at a time. And really crappy TVs, too. Like, I don't know how much they're getting on the street for those TVs, (laughs) even in 1990. (laughs) My first one, uh, my first question for you. Not a nitpick, just a question. So uh, when April first leaves the news station... She's walking to uh, her car in the parking lot, and uh, there's a rat. She sees a rat, and she jumps up on something. I don't know. Yeah. Would a New Yorker really be that scared of a rat?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question.
0: Like, it sets it up later for when she meets Splinter, but right. a yeah. New Yorker would just keep walking. They'd be like, oh, look, there's a rat, and yeah. just keep walking. <laughs> oh, giant cockroach, whatever. <laughs> just another day in New York. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, yeah, not a true reaction from a New Yorker. (laughs) I don't know, if you're a New Yorker out there, tweet at us and tell us how you feel feel about (laughs) what your attitude is to the rodents in New York City. Yeah.
1: I will say that I love all the synthesizer music.
0: I like the music too.
1: Love it. If you're ever in the mood, you need like some good background music without lyrics, Google, look up Synthwave. If you're like synthesizer, I dig it.
0: I think my f- my favorite one might be during like the opening credits when they're just walking through the sewers. I think that was my the catchiest yeah. tune in this one. Yeah, we will get into music in a second here, but uh, I, I'm saving it for a little bit later. <laughs> okay. Do ninjas often refer to the art of ninja? <laughs> like, do they just call it out, or is it kind of like Fight Club? You don't talk about it. Like, it just it is. We know it is. Splinter references the art of ninja a lot. <laughs>
1: yeah i don't know i don't don't know i feel like there's probably a more specific
0: i don't know (laughs) so there there is uh, if you want to look it up there is ninjutsu right which is technically the art of ninja and there's a whole history to it and the different styles of basically the point is to be a spy and an assassin and move covertly and uh, you know, that's your advantage over your enemy is that they'd never see you coming. Right, right. And that's what he tries to teach them. Although I don't think they're very good ninjas throughout this movie. <laughs> A couple of times they do it right. The first when they protect April in the beginning. Yeah. Later with the steam pipe in the sewer layer, they do it. But other than that, they're pretty like just out in the open. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they. I think they're still learning. They're teenagers.
0: They're teenagers. <laughs> Cut up some slack, all right?
1: How do you feel about Michelangelo distinctly ordering a thick crust pizza in New York City?
0: Oh, well, oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's I guess it's more traditional crust than a New York slice, yeah. He says thick. Yeah, I'm... Again, the New Yorkers out there tweeted us. Tell us if you were offended by his pizza <laughs> order. <laughs> Clearly Darren was. <laughs> Go to Chicago. Jesus. Well, here's my problem with the pizza thing. So it's really funny that he's timing the Domino's guy. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. that if you don't remember, there was a promotion that they had. At 30 minutes or less, they get a pizza to you. Right. My problem with it is if you're sliding a pizza sideways through a sewer grate, that pizza is destroyed. It's That's not yeah. how pizza boxes work. Yeah. It's a ball of pizza at that point. <laughs> I had that also.
1: <laughs> Great ad placement for Domino's though, right? As it slides through the grate. However, Domino's.
0: However, Domino's did not get the marketing tie-ins with the movie. They got the product placement, but it was actually Pizza Hut that did all the merchandising and all the marketing tie-ins to go along with the movie. Interesting. Yeah. Really weird.
1: Yeah. I don't think Raphael's human costume is going to cut it. <laughs> the trench coat, <laughs> the trench coat, and the hat.
0: He uh, still looks like a. <laughs> I think that was a callback to the cartoon. I, I I saw. I was watching a few clips of the cartoon, and that was something that like April. Di- April went out and got them hats and coats so That's they it. could disguise themselves. <laughs> so that might have been a callback. You're right. Yeah. I mean, he keeps the head down. You know, he keeps the head yeah. down. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And actually, when he flips across the car, and there's a couple—okay, a couple cameo moments. Right, yeah, so when yeah. he flips across the car, and the guy in the cab is like, "I think that was a big turtle in a trench coat." <laughs> that is the actor who plays Raphael, right? Doing a cameo. Right. Same thing with the pizza delivery. The pizza delivery guy is the guy in the Michelangelo suit, right? Yeah. There you go. How did April learn the name Foot Clan? How did she learn about the foot? I don't know. Yeah. In in her first news report, she's like this mysterious crime wave. Nobody knows what's happening. The police have no leads. And then the next scene, she's like, Chief, what can you tell us about the Foot Clan? Is this tied to an old Japanese crime ring?
1: Yeah. Yeah, unless I missed it. I don't know when she heard about it. No. Yeah. I liked Casey Jones's reaction when he sees Splinter (laughs) because he's already kind of dealt with the the turtles and stuff like that, so he's just kind of like, okay, yeah, sure, there were giant turtles, now it's a giant rat, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> he just brushes it off, he's like, yeah, alright, this is the world I live in now.
0: <laughs> that's kind of how you have to be if you're going to be a superhero, right? Like, when you come across other superheroes, you have to be like, okay, he gets angry and turns into a giant green monster, okay, that's that's <laughs> happening now, or, you know, he's he's got claws and he looks like a wolverine, like... Yeah. It's just you have to just accept. Oh, he shoots webs out of his hands. and can climb walls. Like that's a thing now.
1: Yep, yep. So it was funny because he <laughs> he very he like there's a visual like shrug off that his character that the character does. All right,
0: I, I got a, I got a problem with this movie, and it's it's a bad lesson that these kids are learning. Are we just gonna ignore the fact that the police chief is trying to bribe or blackmail members of the press? Yeah. There's a whole storyline with April getting fired and the police chief having the rap sheet on uh, whatever his name, Patterson, yeah. Peterson's son. It's
1: like, we had a Pennington. deal.
0: We had a deal. Like, that's <laughs> that's dark. You could do a whole spinoff on that about police corruption in New York City with the press. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, did, they didn't dive into it too much, but it was. that's a problem.
0: That's a yeah. <laughs> Internal Affairs may have a few questions about that. Yeah.
1: Last one I had was the rap during the credits at the end of the movie. So it's it's not any of the other, at least any of the other Teenage Mutant internal songs I had heard before, or at least remembered, right? Because it's not the, the one you know of. It's not the theme song. Yeah. And it's not the new, th- you know, they redid the theme song for the newer movies that came out in the 2000s. But it's some kind of very like '90s hip hop, early '90s hip hop feeling rap. It was good. Liked it.
0: Like I said, I will get to the music. Just hang in there. <laughs> I'm going to give a shout out to uh, chopping vegetables with a samurai sword, <laughs> Casey Jones. Really dig it. It's yep. a, good, it's, a <laughs> it's a good visual gag. Yeah, yeah, yeah my last one again, something i enjoyed sewer skateboarding Mm. there needed to be more sewer skateboarding i think in this movie yeah we get one cool
1: action scene with it i'm pretty sure you i'm almost positive in some of the video games you sewer skateboard
0: yeah in the cartoon there's definitely sewer skateboarding yeah 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 i'm glad it got into the movie i i can always use more of it -hmm. i think that's all i got same Oh, I will. I will say I enjoyed that. Uh, the news station where she worked was WTRL. <laughs> Clearly, you know, turtle. Yeah. However, however, you know, I have to look these things up. I can't just ignore this. Was there ever a news station WTRL? Prob- it, probably. I was able to find an old AM radio station. I don't even know what year it went on. the oh, from the 70s? Oh, 50s. Starting in the 50s, 1952, it became WTRL in Braddington, Florida, 1490 AM WTRL. Braden- so all, you, all our fans from Braddington, Florida, I'm sure you remember those old summer days listening to WTRL. <laughs> Darren, are you ready for the lesson this week? We have a lot of lessons and a lot of trivia to get to still. So hang in there, folks, because we're getting into this. How many lessons could you have? (laughs) So you talked about the music. I don't think you realize how musical the Ninja Turtles actually are. And I'm going to give credit because a lot of these things I did not know about until I'm going to give credit to a YouTube channel called Screen Junkies, which I'm sure a lot of you have heard of. They produce Honest Trailers. They also do the Screen Junkie show. And in both iterations, in the Screen Junkies show, they did a episode about things you wouldn't expect the Turtles to be in or places you never expected the Turtles to be. And then in the Honest Trailers, they did an Honest Trailer for the VHS movie, concert movie, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of Their Shells. And I'll give credit to this Honest Trailer because it also features another YouTuber named the Nostalgia Critic who runs you down a list of all the musical things that have been done with the Turtles. So basically, the point of this musical is it's like a hip, fun way for the Turtles to put down their weapons and pick up musical instruments. (laughs) And they wear bedazzled jean jackets and they do really bad choreographed numbers and April O'Neil gets a power ballad, and Shredder gets a Bruce Springsteen-esque ballad called "Skipping Stones." And Shredder comes out on stage, and there's this weird storyline where he's like trying to steal all the world's music. And this is live action. This is live on stage. Yeah, this is live action on stage. And you—I th- mean—if you have a problem with the rubber suits, it just gets worse. I'm telling you, the rubber suits are the best it's ever been done. And Shredder comes out on stage and spends five minutes just roasting the kids in the crowd, <laughs> like asking if the one kid's mom wants to come back to his lair. Like, oh my it gets, god, it gets so weird. And so, so yeah. So there's this whole musical concert out of their shells. They had an appearance on Oprah to promote it. Ooh. The Turtles are live on Oprah. That gets weird. Yeah. Um, there's one of the turtles makes a joke about like interrelati- inter-species relations with April. And they cut to a kid in the crowd who's just traumatized. <laughs> Barbara Walters interviews them. Then they do a follow-up concert called like In Your Town, which is even more low budget. Like then they did like the nostalgia critic starts going, you have to watch this honest trailer. He starts going, they do a PSA for like the LA transit system. Which is even worse. Like, it just keeps going. They do a Christmas special. There's a Turtles Christmas special where Leonardo has a Jamaican accent and sings Deck the Halls. (laughs) Splinter sings on the 12 days of Christmas the Turtles gave to me.
1: I really have to watch this immediately.
0: (laughs) It is mind-blowing. It is mind-blowing. So go on YouTube and just go down the wormhole of all the different ways the Ninja Turtles have been used. Because if you think... And the, probably the greatest musical moment for the Ninja Turtles would have to be Vanilla Ice's turtle rap from- Oh, yeah. From from, s- from two. From yeah. two, yeah. yeah. Yeah, And that's in there too. And uh, someone saw that and was like, Ninja Turtles and music? Gold. Gold. Oh. We're going to make so much money. And <laughs> for as much product placement, I mean, the turtles have been on everything, right? Yeah. Coloring books, lunch boxes, cereals- T-shirts. Popsicles, T-shirts. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's insane. That brings up a question for me.
1: If you had and this is not this is not just limited to the turtles at all. If you had this product or this, you know, thing that you created, would you just do you feel like you would just let it go like that? Just be like anything and everything that we can put this on that'll make more money. Let's do it. Well, I mean, that's the because in theory, in theory, yes, it, start, it started with one person or people, right, that have the creative rights over these characters. So, it, it, it at the very beginning, right? So then, it slowly, you know, they sell it to someone, and then that person sells it to whatever, whatever, you know, however it goes down the line.
0: I wouldn't have been as fast and loose as the you know creators of the Ninja Turtles have been with it, but yeah. I mean, look at what's st- I mean, Star Wars. Star Wars basically sets the precedent for this at the yeah. end of the 70s. Yeah. Like George Lucas creates this merchandising world and look how rich he is. I mean he's a billionaire, right? Yeah. I don't know if Eastman and Laird had the same creative control over the turtles if the if the movie studios like bought it completely yeah. or if Mirage yeah. Comics or whatever had full creative control. I hope for their sake that they got a piece of all of this. Yeah. Cuz then yeah. they'd be billionaires, millionaires today. Yeah. You would definitely want to keep your keep a little bit tighter control on it, but hell, I don't know. It's it's fun. It's probably fun to see them every kid have a Ninja Turtles backpack and a Ninja Turtles t-shirt and dressing up for them on Halloween and Yeah. You know. That's 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 be be really cool. Yeah. As long as you know you got a piece of the pie.
1: Yeah. I guess I'd I pers- personally would be I would be very torn about what to do because I do like that idea. they that, like, you know, that, like if, if you see a lot of kids or people into something that I created, right? But at the same time, I'm like, the more it's kind of reproduced, like the less value it has, you know? I mean, not value as in money, but like, you know, yeah. intangible value. I don't know.
0: Speaking of which, get ready for our new toy line, the No <laughs> Meth Movies Action Figures. With their own podcasting mics and headphones. <laughs> with little buttons. <laughs> yeah. You pull my string and it says, now it's time for Quick Picks. <laughs> what would Darren's be? I don't even know. The way I approach this is... <laughs> <laughs> or, uh... Shana- uh Shenanigans ensue That <laughs> And then shenanigans ensue. Oh, man. All right. You ready for some trivia before we take this thing out? Yeah. There's some... We covered a lot uh, throughout the podcast, but let me see what we didn't hit here. This was the highest grossing independent film of all time. It made $135 million at the domestic box office and $66 million at the foreign box office This thing had a chance at almost every movie studio, and they all passed on it. So, I think Mirage Comics or something like that just kind of put it out on its own. Uh, Does it even say what studio? New Line Cinema. So, New Line Cinema at the time was like a small indie... Like, they were doing B movies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, they really were a small independent... And I mean, Disney had their shot at it. They all had their shot at it, and they all passed on it, even though the cartoon was so successful. So, they... Technically, at the time, it was the highest-grossing independent film of all time. It's interesting. Yeah. Judith Hogue was not asked to reprise her role as April in the film sequel due to her own personal complaining. Apparently, she did not get along well with the producer. So in the two sequels, she is replaced. Mm. So this is interesting for if you're a real technical movie fan, to help disguise how cumbersome and slow the Turtles' costumes were dialogue scenes were shot at 23 frames per second so that they were played at the normal speed of 24 frames per second they would appear a bit sharper for the same reason fight scenes were even shot sometimes at 22 or 23 frames per second hmm. and I will tell you that those scenes we loved of the flashbacks to Saki and you know splinter yeah. as a young rat Jim Henson's team shot those on like eight millimeter old eight millimeter cameras to make it seem even more stop motion-y and more kind of old and That makes sense, throwback.
1: Yeah. now that you say it, actually. Interesting.
0: I will say about Jim Henson, in his workshop, like we said, worked on the costumes. He was apparently upset about the level of violence in the finished movie. While he was proud to have helped advance the art of animatronics, he viewed the violence as excessive, pointless, and not his style. Ooh. Yeah. Steve Barron, who directed the movie had directed a, the pilot episode of Jim Henson's Storyteller. So I think Henson and him kind of did this as a favor and kind of well, had this working relationship. Sure. So that's why Henson agreed to help out yeah. on this. Well, it sounds like,
1: from what I read, that like this is some of the most complicated stuff that Henson ever worked on.
0: Yeah. I mean, right. I mean it really is. It's cool. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Did you uh, read this thing about <laughs> when it was <laughs> released in the UK, how they edited it?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, go for it.
1: So, so this sounds so like draconian that the, they, they they removed the quote unquote Eastern fighting weapons, I guess because maybe they thought it was offensive or something like that. Who so knows? The, the nunchucks were taken out completely. There were no nunchucks, which that's Michelangelo's thing. Why, why would you have no nunchucks? And then they didn't like the word ninja at all, so they changed it to hero. Yeah. Which is weird. So, I, I guess they're just like very culturally sensitive. <laughs> and it said that the unedited version wasn't released in the UK until 2004. Do <laughs> you think there'd be some teenage kid like, John, Johnny, I got the unedited version of Ninja Turtles from 1990. You come watch it.
0: <laughs> be mind blowing. Yeah. I don't know if this is true, but apparently Corey Feldman said he was offered only $1,500 to do the voice work for this film. Corey accepted, believing the producers who told him that it was only a small, low-budget independent film, hoping that it would have modest success on VHS if they were lucky. <laughs> the movie ended up making millions of dollars at the box office. <laughs>
1: That's so sad. Corey Feldman had a rough, <laughs> rough life. One of those, one of those unfortunate childhood actor stories.
0: All right, I. I think that's what I got. There's tons and tons and tons of trivia. Yeah. All right, here's my last one. Apparently, Johnny Depp, Keanu Reeves, Christian Slater, Lou Diamond Phillips, Emilio Estevez, Keith Sutherland, Jason Patrick, Brian Austin Green, Alex Winter, Gary Daniels, and River Phoenix were all considered for the role of Casey Jones. Damn. Would you have liked any of them as Casey Jones? I don't know. Keanu Reeves as Casey Jones would have been pretty cool, right? Come yeah. on. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that would have worked well.
0: <laughs> I The first time he sees Raphael, he just gives a classic Keanu Reeves. Whoa. <laughs> all right, Darren, and that does it for trivia, and now it is time for us to decide once and for all Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1990. Is it a good movie? Is it a bad movie? What are you saying this week?
1: I said that this is a good movie,
0: with a bit of a
1: footnote or asterisk in that I don't know if I if I saw this movie today, having never seen the turtles or having not grown up with the whole turtles franchise, if I would like it as much. I think that has a lot to do with it that it's nostalgic to some degree. You know, maybe someone who like like my uh, I have two nieces that are eighteen right if they saw it maybe they had some turtle stuff when they were younger when they were younger kids but but probably not a ton i mean i think it's sort of it's still around but i think it's kind of you know faded off a bit so you know they might watch and be like this is dumb this is a dumb movie so i think there is a bit of that but but overall i thought the costuming was really good i thought the story was solid enough the action was good it is partially that I, I understand that this is a piece of a whole bigger thing and then like i distinctly remember the secret of the U is the second movie like, that was one of my favorite movies when i was a kid i remember that for sure i was entertained by it i would definitely on my list put this uh, as a good movie
0: I'm going to agree this week. This is a good movie. And I, too, grew up with the Ninja Turtles. I grew up with the cartoon. I had these movies on VHS. I Of all the movies re- reviewed on the show over two seasons, this is the movie that I've, like, seen the most sure. probably. Yeah. And I tried to step back and, you know, give it a fair shake and give it a fair review. And I got to say, it, it holds up, like, what Jim Henson's team does and what Jim Henson did, it always it, it holds up for me. It really holds up well. And like I said, I like it more than the CGI turtles that you know Michael Bay's team tried to give us in the last few years. The, the action scenes are really well done. Like you said, we get some really grounded ninja work, some really grounded fight scenes, realistic feeling fight scenes. This movie is darker and deeper than I think these Rotten Tomatoes critics give it credit for. Like, the things Splinter talks about and the things the Turtles go through, especially when Raph is taken out and they're, like, waiting for him to recover. And I didn't love April's narration. I wish they would have just showed us more of that. But, like, they're training and rebuilding themselves. Like, it's cool stuff. Yeah. And finally, the humor. Like... Maybe you find the humor to be a little cheesy. Maybe some of the jokes didn't land for you. What, what did he do, like a Cagney impression or something like that? <laughs> something. <laughs> something. You dirty
1: rat. <laughs> no, that was uh, that wasn't the. Yeah,
0: yeah that, that was it. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the humor all works for me. I was laughing the whole time. Donatello and Michelangelo dancing, you know, at the beginning of the movie when Switch was trying to be serious. Even Leonardo gets in on the dancing. Like the humor all works for me. I'm sorry, I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. It's charming. The Turtles, I think that's the reason why the Turtles are so successful. There's a charm to them. They're really charming characters. Like, they're teenagers, but they're they're good teenagers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. if you were a parent, they'd be the kind of teenagers you'd want hanging around. You know, you'd, <laughs> you'd serve them all pizza at your house. <laughs> this movie works for me. I really, really enjoy it. And this is definitely on the good movie list. And I, I have no clue how it's a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's <laughs> ridiculous. There you have it. There you have it. That actually, folks, wraps up season two of the No Meh Movies podcast. Coming up soon, me and Darren are actually working on a new style of podcast. We're still going to be talking a movie. Uh, We're going to dive into – it's going to be something you've never, never seen or heard before in a podcast, I think don't want to give away too much yeah we don't want to give away too much we will at some point do a some kind of trailer for it or so I don't know how I don't know how we're gonna (laughs) kind of inform you on this but it's gonna be set in the sports movie world we'll just tell you that so we're gonna be diving in and taking a deep dive into some sports
1: movies and we're hoping that uh with the unfortunate unfortunate circumstances of the world right now where sports are being postponed especially baseball season um, that this will provide some uh, needed entertainment for those that I I know I've seen around the internet who are trying to, to watch old baseball mo- yeah, <laughs> old yeah, baseball episode or uh, games and things like that.
0: I think Bleacher Report is just running back last year's March Madness. They're just they're <laughs> like we're just gonna air we're gonna cut out all the commercials and timeouts. so yeah yeah yeah. So there's definitely a need for some levity in the world right now and hopefully this new podcast will put a trailer on this feed. I don't know if it'll be on the same podcasting feed or a new podcasting feed. We will let you know. Follow us on Twitter at No Mem Movies for all the details on that. In the meantime, while we're working on that new show, hey, I might sneak in a few bonus episodes. Like, we're all stuck at home watching movies, so you never know. Keep an eye on the feed. Keep an eye on our podcasting stream. Whatever podcasting app you're listening on, you might catch some new bonus episodes. I can tell you that I just watched the movie Fighting With My Family. The wrestling movie. Oh. The true story of Paige uh, coming into the WWE. So, I don't know. Maybe I'll do a bonus episode on that. We'll see. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for supporting the show. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever podcasting app you are listening on. You can follow us on Twitter at NoMemMovies. You can follow me on Twitter at DaveyBarris. Thanks for supporting. Thanks for listening. And remember, the next time your friends ask about a movie, take a stance. And tell them if the movie is good or bad. Because on this show, there were no meh movies. Alright, fair enough. So, the way I'm going to... Sorry. You and your ice. Can you hear that?